Shares of Boeing and one of its key suppliers have dropped sharply as investors grow worried about possible damage to the business after that piece of fuselage on the Boeing 737 MAX 9 blew out mid-flight. It was an Alaska Airlines flight. It had been travelling from Portland, Oregon to Ontario, California on Friday. It made an emergency landing after part of the wall of the aircraft detached itself, leaving a gaping hole in the side of the plane. It was a very even-shaped hole because, in fact, what uh, hopped out was a door plug. Kevin Byrne, a Lieutenant Colonel, retired airport safety and security auditor, joins me now. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Uh, have you actually travelled in one of these uh, Max 9s? No, there's only three or four of them registered in uh, the European Union as such. We're more familiar with the Boeing Max 8, which alone had its own uh, you know, troubled history in the last couple of years. We've discussed this many times. This is a newer version, longer fuselage. It can carry 220 passengers, so it's efficient from that point of view. But the people ask me lots of questions. Why would you put doors in an aircraft and then plug them. Yeah. And it's a little bit complex. If you're carrying 220 passengers, which the low-cost airlines would do, you want all of the exits to be usable. So if you look at the Boeing Max 8 at Dublin Airport this morning, there's two extra doors uh, behind the wings which weren't there on the older model. And they open, but only in an emergency. So you have seats there in the normal way. From the inside, it looks like the normal fuselage of the aircraft. But they would uh, actually be projected out in the event exactly. of an emergency. Exactly. And they're also armed so you'd have the chutes there ready for you to get out if something happened, you know, in an emergency. But if you're going to put business class people in, which is what Alaska Ireland's were doing, and, and have less than 220, you can then plug these doors and order them as such. Now, people say, do you not weld aircraft closed? Well, you do to some extent, but these are held in place by four bolts, which are kind of invisible to the ordinary mm-hmm. passenger, you know. And they're... Um, you know, there's a problem because the door was found by Teacher Bob in Oregon and that was a needle in a haystack job. I couldn't sure. believe it. Had it missed his garden and hit his roof, it would have gone straight through the building at, at that altitude, you know. Sure. But he found it and, and he called in the appropriate authority and it's now with the National Transportation Safety Board. But they issued a strange statement saying they couldn't find bolts or evidence of the bolts, which makes you wonder, was it ever held in place in that way? Yeah. Now, you can understand that the bolts, bolts um, might have got lost in the falling from possible, the skies. yes. A few other things fell from the skies. Indeed, it did. Uh, What surprised me was the cockpit uh, door, which should be locked, was actually blown open by the depressurisation, the explosive depressurisation. And uh, part of the the equipment and and, and notes the pilots used got sucked backwards, which is very strange. Two telephones and some toys and other bits and pieces went out this large gaping hole. One of the phones, believe it or not, fluttered down to somewhere near Bob's house in Oregon and was picked up by people and it worked. So I want the name of that phone. (laughs) Who made that? Uh, it survived <laughs> so, and it still worked. So l- let's go back to that business. W- when you get this uh, differential in pressure, yes. because at 16,000 feet, uh, the pressure outside is much lower yes. than the kind of normal pressure that Absolutely. is produced yeah. within the aircraft. Yeah. So you get uh, a vacuum effect of, effectively. So uh, the air in the cockpit gets blown out, really. Yes. But the door between the passenger area and the pilot's should area have been should have been locked and, and was not. And when I've flown on 737s, you know, the, the, the model, uh, the, the Max 8 and so forth like that, they're quite heavily armoured doors like that. So whatever the pref- pressure differential was gives you an indication of the difference. At 16,000 feet, we were lucky in so, insofar as the aircraft is climbing. Everybody strapped in the seats. The cabin crew are not serving people and that kind of thing. And it's going to climb to about thirty-four or 36,000 feet, at which time there's very little pressure outside. So you have this pressure 
pressure vessel squeezing. The altitude in the cabin uh, recently was about 8,000 feet. Some of the newer types, I'm not sure about the Boeing Max in this case, they go to 6,000 feet. So they've got very good seals and very good uh, pressure, uh, you know, pumps yeah. to keep the air breathable for all the people on board. And there's a huge pressure pushing out. So if the if the windows and the doors aren't secure, as they will be, you have an explosive yeah. I mean, they don't quite produce the pressure uh, of uh, the ground. No, no, you're climbing... And that's why your ears sometimes hurt. Absolutely. You've climbed very quickly to a mountain, either 6,000 feet or 8,000 feet. So, you know, people who have got breathing problems sometimes have a a little problem. Uh, When the door blew out, in this case, or the plug, as we call it, the oxygen masks fell down and everybody was able to breathe. So that worked? Yes, but you only have about 90 seconds. You don't hang around when this happens. You want put the mask on your face and start breathing because at 15,000 feet there's exactly half of the oxygen in the air that you'd have on the surface so you're not going to be uh, conscious or very... So you're going to be very short of breath very if quickly. you don't put on your oxygen and, mask. And the other point is what people don't realise is there's a huge fog effect. You've got an instantaneous fog once the air is being uh, you know, expanded out, out the door as it were. Yeah. Now the pilots behaved in it yes. looks like an exemplary fashion. Indeed they did. They knew straight away something had gone wrong at the back. Didn't know what it was. There's an alert in the cockpit of course pressurisation and the immediate thing is to put the nose down so they call an emergency and you dive as, as safely as possible. I've only done it once on an aircraft. It's very exciting as you can imagine yeah. an emergency descent to Because uh, these aircraft are capable of aerobatics but never called upon to do it. No and just as well I think. But after some of the accidents reports we've seen they're quite... Boeing aircraft are known to be strong, very very strong in that regard. But the aircraft was down to 10,000 feet quite quickly. The bit I thought was most interesting was the fact that the people are making videos of this before and after and as the person said in that particular row and his hair is blowing and he really must be terrified he's trapped in. The view outside the window is quite staggering. Also, at 16,000 feet is remarkably cold over Oregon okay. in, in, the, in the early part of January, as you can imagine. Now, uh, there were concerns, though, about this particular aircraft yes. and not just the class of aircraft, but this particular one yes. in the weeks prior to this. Yes, there were three alerts as to uh, pressurisation failure. So this little uh, alarm I mentioned in the cockpit went off on three separate occasions. It was mentioned to the technical crew by the flight crew and it was examined and they could find no fault. Um, so the the NTSB, the uh, people investigating the crash, have not yet made a linkage between the loss of pressurisation, if there was such a thing, and this particular plug. But yeah. it's very suspicious, you will agree. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. I mean, it's a bizarre coincidence. A, bar, a heck of a coincidence. Uh, yeah. So they took the aircraft. Uh, I, I've been in the States. I was in eight airports in, in November and I saw Alaska Airlines in three of them, one very far south in Atlanta, another one in St. Louis, and they go to Mexico, so and they go to uh, um, Florida and they go to other parts of the state. So they're not just a regional Alaskan Airlines. This aircraft had been scheduled. This particular aircraft was going to Hawaii and then some of the technical crew said maybe it's safer if we don't put it across the water, which is, you know, completely over the Pacific. And there was no no landing strip anywhere nearby. They they sent it down to Ontario in in, in California and that would have been in in range, as it was, of many airports en route in case this got worse. So it's it's a decision that was probably safe. Now, now when the maintenance crew uh, went and tried to check everything. Presumably they just did a passive check. They closed yes. all the doors and uh, see, you know, was there a leakage exactly. of air? And it's, it's one of these things called an intermittent fault, which is the worst thing in the world, either for yeah. a car or for an aircraft in particular. And I've seen it on aircraft and if it doesn't recur itself, it's very hard to prove what it was. And this is the case yeah. at the moment. They would have needed to strip off, uh, you know, much of the 
the plastics and all that yes, inside yes. the aircraft to get at the door yeah. to check the bolts and they did not, it appears, do that. No, because you'd have to have the aircraft allegedly for eight hours of work. But I think it's more than that. The trouble now is, of course, we have all these grounded aircraft, 171 of them, and they're going to have to take off the panels on not just the left side, but the right side because the doors are almost identical yeah. left and right. And it's going to be an expensive business because uh, there are dozens of them in service to, with United Airlines and with Alaska Airlines. So they're going to have big gaps in their schedule, as you can imagine. Now, uh, Reiner, Michael O'Leary has said that they'd need to up their quality control because yes. they're a massive customer of Boeing. They are indeed and a, there has been a problem since before COVID in fact with quality control and with the supply chain of parts. Uh, Boeing wanted to deliver more than 500 aircraft. Last year they delivered 390 something, you know, so they're well behind time from that point. So the question is, are they rushing it? You'd wonder about that. Also, the, a lot of the stuff that comes in is made elsewhere. For example, um, the, the, the uh, fuselage of the aircraft isn't made by Boeing. It's made by Spirit Aerosystems and it's a strange one, but they delivered the fuselage to the factory and they're more or less bolted and glued together. So, so B- Boeing itself are doing a Lego on a whole pile of sort of s- parts Otherwise, supplied by other people. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to deliver one and a half airplanes per day, you know, on the working year. So it's, it's quite a problem for them to get supply chain in from that point of view. And if the quality isn't up to it, I mean, how do you check something that's been built and delivered to you? You can't really do it without disassembling parts of the aircraft. And you have to have faith in your supplier from that point of view. Now, an extraordinary thing that the the tails of Boeing's were made. In China. The 737s, I'm not sure about the current crop, but certainly up to the time of the 800, all the tailplanes are made in China and shipped across in the uh, barges to the uh, factory in, 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 um, in Renton. And they were very happy with that, you know, so things can be made in different parts of the yeah. world. And, and I mean, we're seeing a lot of Chinese cars coming in here now, yes, and yeah. the quality control seems to be very good. Exactly. So this was just an unfortunate thing. Uh, I should mention that Boeing are, uh, aircraft are very popular, you know that. The MAX 10, which is a bigger one coming on stream, will have 230 passengers so they want to get things right for that and there are, can you guess how many on order the backlog is now 4,000 wow. Boeing aircraft so that is a huge amount of money and of course they want to re So we're talking about 10 years production? Yes we are in that regard but uh, the chief executive David Calhoun of Boeing has been on the, on the radio and on television saying there'll be transparency in this particular examination, no stone will be left unturned and he's doing that because of course you'll remember there was a, a scandal basically about the Boeing MAX 8, two yeah. of which crashed in fatal conditions in Indonesia and in Ethiopia and it took a long time to get them back in the sky again and he wants something similar not to happen in this particular case. Mm. Meanwhile, if you're across the other side of the world and you take an Airbus, you're not necessarily flying in a Toulouse-made aircraft. No, they have four factories, one of which was recently uh, opened near Shanghai and that's to capture the Asian market. There's another one in the States but you are getting quality control. It will be built to Airbus standards if the aircraft is built in Toulouse or elsewhere so that's one good news, I think. Yeah. So, so basically, what these big companies do, they design the aircraft. Yes. And then whether it's a Rolls-Royce engine or whatever or, else. Yeah, or, that is or, or Pratt & Whitney. Whitney. Yeah. Or Pratt & Whitney. And all the other bits. The seats are made by somebody Absolutely. else and so on and so and forth. And the navigation systems and the electrics and the wheels and the brakes. And they're all brought together in a very tightly controlled, just-in-time kind of thing. So you can say that my aircraft's going to be made at 2 o'clock on Tuesday. We rolled out on you know Thursday, whatever it might be. But you couldn't do it any other way. The problem is when you lose part of the supply chain, which is happening now, because they can't get the people, the construction workers aren't skilled or aren't trained up, or the component parts can't be got, like paint was a problem for a while, believe it or not. You couldn't get black paint. Yeah. And sometimes the tyres and that kind of thing, if it doesn't happen at two o'clock on a Tuesday, you may have to wait a week or a month or whatever for your new aircraft. And that, of course, is affecting the bottom line of certainly low-cast carriers who want these aircraft in service to save time and save money in the new year. Yeah, you, all this business of re uh, re-importing 
all activities, manufacturing activities to the United States or to Europe, whatever, because it, it of does, supply chain it, difficulties. It, it, it does work, but it doesn't work because some of the stuff that's being made is only made in one place like that. Some of yeah. the component parts can only be sourced. In particular we'll be talking country. about Taiwan later on. And of course, um, chips, chips yeah, yeah, made in yeah. Taiwan. Uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, Boeing, we hope, will recover because we need Boeing. Just one final point I make it time and time again if you wanted to get killed on a jet traffic uh, you know commercial aircraft you'd have to get on a scheduled jet aircraft once per day for 10,000 years before you could be guaranteed to meet your death on that aircraft so it's a remarkably safe thing to do and don't be concerned about this it will be resolved and Boeing's will fly safely again quite soon Kevin Byrne Lieutenant Colonel retired airport safety and security auditor Kevin thank you very much for joining us (laughs) 